Welcome to the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Kennedy, and I'm here to help you become the very best version of yourself. What's up, legends? Welcome back to this week's episode of the Fitness and Lifestyle Podcast. Um, with the pleasure of being joined today by a past guest of the show, Lockie Rouson. What's going on, brother? How you been? I'm good. I'm good. It's good to uh, reconnect. Hopefully, um, we'll get to do it in person sometime, but I can't risk getting locked out of my state. Fair call. Yeah, fair call. And I would say the same thing, but it's been, um, it's been ages, man. I mean, for those that are listening to the show that have been um, regular listeners, you would have heard me talk about um, Lockie's podcast recently, Lockie and Rouse podcast. How's it doing? Are you guys doing well with the podcast and, um, and keeping up with the episodes and getting some good feedback? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, it was, uh, it was good to get connected on that front. And yeah, the, the podcast has grown really well um, over the last, I guess, 12 months. Um, fortunate to have a digital business in, uh, you know, where the, the physical side of our companies, the gyms had to close, the podcast get to, get, well, got to keep thriving, which was, you know, just luck, really. It was mm. fortunate. And um, we, we managed to get really good guests on. I guess the silver lining was obviously a lot of people that are hard to pin down because they're, you know, traveling so much yeah. and they're on the road. We've got an opportunity to speak with them. So I'm sure you had similar opportunities as well. Yeah, it was kind of like, what's your excuse now, man? You can't yeah. go anywhere. Exactly. <laughs> You've got a computer. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, nah, it's good, man. It's good. And you got the new gym coming along, which, um, which seems exciting as well, which is, um, I'm sure it's been a big project. Yeah. Yeah. So Locker Room is, is, was due to open eight months ago, uh, but now we're back on track and uh, opening in a couple of weeks, so March uh, 2020. And that's uh, it'll be the first of its kind. It's been something that we've wanted to do for a long time. And I know I mentioned it to you well over a year ago, uh, yeah. this new concept that we were building, but uh, yeah, almost at the finish line. Well, really the start line, but um, yeah, almost finished the build. Awesome. That's awesome, man. I'm looking forward to it. I, I really can't wait to get um, to get back up to Sydney and check it out and um, come back into the studio and see you boys and stuff. But um, we'll get stuck straight into it, man. So for those that have um, tuned into today's episode, you would kind of guess from the, the title of today's show, but I want to talk about um, functional strength training or, or functionally building up strength, um, which I know you, is something that you're really big into and very good at it um, and teach a lot of other people how to do it through your socials and in person, obviously, um, and through the podcast. But, you know, I um, you know, I think when, when people get into the gym, you kind of go on one of two directions. You go in there purely trying to do strength training for whatever sport you're playing or for whatever specific goal that you have or you go in there just to try and get jacked and just lift weight and do any exercises possible to make the muscles grow with no real thought or no real direction on um, why you're doing certain exercises or even kind of keeping in mind functional movement and mobility and stuff so I wanted to chat about today um, how the listeners can incorporate more functional strength into their workouts and also to get your um, thoughts on what that actually means because I mean you say functional strength to some people and they think it's like doing a fucking pistol squat on a BOSU ball while drinking a coffee and doing a push-up um, straight after. So what, That would be what, impressive. That, that would be impressive. That would be impressive. But what actually is functional strength training and how can the listeners kind of incorporate it into their programming to make sure that as well as looking good, we can still perform um, at our best and, and do movements properly and actually translate this strength from the gym into everyday life as well. Yeah, I think you really hit it uh, on the nail on that last sentence you said. It's, it's the translation to everyday life, which is, I guess, what determines what you're doing is either functional or not functional. So for what I want to do in my everyday life is different to what you want to do in your everyday life. So yeah. 
um, really, I guess, function, functional, uh, how I define it is, is the stuff doing that you're doing in the gym preparing you for whatever task you want to tackle. Now, the thing is that people will say yes, under current circumstances, maybe they're just kind of walking and going about their normal life and then they decide they want to play sports. So all of a sudden what they're doing in the gym is not preparing them for playing social basketball again, for example. So uh, I think the, the term is fluid and the context is always relevant for whoever's training it. So my suggestion is if you're listening to this and you think you're doing functional training, you just got to, you just got to ask yourself is what I'm doing in the gym helping me at whatever I'm doing in my life. Um, and I guess, yeah, for some people the answer is yes. And so I say, keep doing the same thing. Uh, but then for some people it's not because there are so many exercises you can choose from so many skills that you can acquire from Olympic weightlifting to gymnastics, to plyometric work, um, to just powerlifting, all this sort of stuff. And it's hard to know where to start. Um, but I guess, yeah, working back from what you decide you want to need. So maybe, you know, you're playing, you know, social basketball, you're like, Oh, I want to jump a bit higher. Cool. All right. Well, let's look at some, body weight movements for jumping. Let's look at some plyometric work. Let's look at some knee rehabilitation stuff. Let's look at some Olympic weightlifting because just doing deadlifts and back squats, probably not going to be as useful for you as other tools could be. I think it's important to understand as well for those that are tuning in that it's okay to still do your bicep curls. It's okay to still go in and do your accessory movements like your leg extensions and, and exercises that don't translate to any everyday activities because if your goal to some extent is to build muscle then there are certain movements that you're going to have to do or to increase volume and and that just may be enjoyable to you because you know in the end of the day i talk a lot about how there's fuck all point in doing any training program if you don't look forward to doing it i mean like you need to enjoy your training so for some people they just love going in there and doing some 21s and and getting the guns out and and doing certain exercises that really don't translate to any everyday strength but it's okay to keep them in there but we talk about the meat and potatoes of your training program and making sure the main lifts are heading in the direction that you're, you're trying to achieve. That's when we talk about these exercises. So for someone that isn't playing any recreational sport, that's not... Jesus, I told you we'd get a guest. <laughs> Russ, man, has just lost his shit. So my little puppy, uh, he thought I was going to take him for some cardio and I said no cardio today. And he's rampaging at the moment. Anyway, he's doing some functional strength work down here. Um, but yeah, for someone that does not play in recreational sport, that doesn't have any specific exercise they're trying to prepare for, what are some, I guess, some generic type functional movements that people can incorporate into their training on a day-to-day basis? Because a lot of the clients that I train aren't playing sport. They just want to get fit, but they also want to perform their best. They want to keep their mobility um, on point and, um, and be doing movements that are challenging that are going to help them in their everyday life as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the approach I've taken with a lot of people is exactly what you said. There's definitely some accessory movements that you can work on and there's definitely some, uh, you know, bodybuilding stuff that's fun that, you know, you know, chest and, and biceps and for girls, glutes and all that stuff. And I say, keep it in there. Keep, like you said, keep in the stuff you enjoy. But yeah, there's some, some really major movements that if you, if you kept them in um, and you used them on a consistent basis, it wouldn't have to be your whole program. Just make up maybe 20, 30% of your program. You get a lot of benefit from them. Um, and for me, sort of what you mentioned, it, I start with the lower body. I find like the, the lower body presents a lot more issues um, than 
uh, some of the other stuff that you can do with your upper body. So some of the main stuff is hips, knees, and ankles because most people have either done a lot of running or they've done some sort of sport or they've sat down too much. Yeah. And anyone listening to this has done one of those three things, if not all three of those things. And so you get some lower back issues, you get some hip issues, knee, ankle, foot issues, some variation of that versus the upper body isn't as quite disabled as, as the lower body. So I just work on that sort of stuff, deep squats, deadlifts. And it's important, before you keep going, it's, it's important to understand as well for those listening that all the issues tend to stem from the ground up. Like if you do have your ankle and knee issues or your hip issues, then it's going to be of no surprise when you do start to get the lower back problems and you start to be slightly off with your, with your shoulders and everything kind of does stem from the ground up. So as Lockie just touched on, like that nailing that lower body stuff first can a lot of the time alleviate a lot of the issues you're having from above the hips as well if you can get that lower body sorted absolutely yeah i think um you know some of the stuff you mentioned obviously uh the i guess most people think of it as two legs i just call it bilateral stuff so just single yep. pattern so squats and deadlifts uh incorporating it becomes i guess more you know quote unquote functional as soon as it becomes unilateral so you add in you know, uh, single leg elements like lunges, just basic stuff. I think people try and get super fancy, destabilize it with BOSU balls and stuff you mentioned and weird band placements and stuff. It's not that necessary, to be honest. I think as long as you, um, yeah, as long as you do a combination of, you know, lunging and rotational work and that sort of stuff, you're hitting most of what you need to do. People just like the fancy stuff because it looks good on Instagram. But honestly, you don't, you don't need that much of it. It's not as useful. If you go out there and run and you kind of pivot side to side in the gym and, you do some Cossack squats and some mm. rotational stuff. You throw a ball, you're getting 90% of the way there. Yeah, it, it really is super fucking unnecessary with a lot of this stuff you see. It's like functional strength is not about trying to make an exercise, a simple exercise as difficult as possible and as dangerous as possible <laughs> just to look fucking like an absolute king on your Instagram story. <laughs> it is... It is more so about trying to see what does translate. And I, th- I don't think a lot of people think about this. And I, and I reckon trainers as well. A lot of trainers out there to put no thought to what movements are translating to movements that we're doing in our everyday life. So, for example, if we've got someone coming in who does do a lot of unilateral stuff or has issues with one side of their body, but all their training is um, bilateral, all their training is, is you know squats, leg press, double leg stuff, and they're never taking any time to to fix that imbalance then there's no surprise but that there's going to be no improvement if it's not it's getting worse by overcompensation and stuff like that mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market you mentioned a few of those exercises before. Um, when it comes to your warm-ups for your training, are you incorporating these type, of, these type of movements for your warm-up? Like I've talked on the podcast before about how I approach warming up for a session in regards to the order I do it in. So I'll kind of go like a foam roll or, or self-myofascial release, some mobility and then activation work and then get into the session. So how does like a warm-up look like for you and are you incorporating some of these movements that you've mentioned into that? little process before you train yeah i think the key with a warm-up was what i've discovered over the years of not only teaching myself but 
who I will be the first to admit, I'm pretty, pretty lazy when it comes to warming up. But uh, also for my clients is that if you just kind of do, you know, three or four movements that cover everything and you don't stress too much about specificity and trying to, you know, do this perfect warm up and activate this muscle, you're more likely to do it every time, which is what we're saying before. Like the, the perfect program is no good if you don't show up for it, right? So mm-hmm. it's the same as a warm up. The perfect warm up's great, but if you don't do it, then it doesn't really matter. So some of the stuff I like to do is just, um, it's called, uh, the short name for it is CARS. It's just the acronym for controlled articular rotations. The guy, Dr. Ant, Andrea Spina from the States, he teaches it. But honestly, it just looks like joint circles. It's just a fancy name for joint okay. circles. Uh, I do it at the hip, I do it at the shoulder, and then I work out from there. So I do, um, you know, elbows, knees, ankles, wrists. And that, that gets me fairly warm. It makes me feel, you know, it's a good way to kind of, all right, how stiff am I today? How much rotation do I have? Does anything need a pop or click? And um, it, it activates and warms up the muscles at the same time. You can just find them on YouTube. Um, joint cars. And so I just do a, a couple rounds of that. Uh, I do it in the morning. I do it throughout the day. I do it before my warm up. And then I think if you've been moving around enough throughout the day, you've been hydrating, you've got some steps in or that sort of thing. Um, you, you're more or less ready to work out. It's just kind of building up slowly um, and not just being too aggressive when you start. Where, what's the best place for someone to start this that's listening right now that isn't that hasn't really put much thought to their training program. They're following a, a pretty stock standard training split with the exercises that you would see in most people's training program that does want to make a start on, I guess, their journey to becoming a little bit more functional with their movements. What's like one exercise that someone can incorporate straight after listening to this episode the next time they head into the gym that's going to get them started on, on making some improvements? I know it's, it's pretty fucking uh, <laughs> broad, broad question, but, um, but yeah, what's something that you can recommend? Um, yeah, well, I think the mistake that most people make when they do this stuff is they look at a couple of people they follow on Instagram and they probably put out good content and they just add the programs in ran- uh, add the exercise in randomly to their program, which is great, but it, it's more beneficial, honestly, to uh, just choose you know, a program written by these people and kind of use the progression to build it out, out over time, which is why I'm always cautious to give like one exercise sort of answer, but to without beating around the bush too much. I mean, it's hard to go past um, something that I've learned recently from this guy, Ben Patrick. I'm sure you've seen him from Knees Over Toes. I don't know if you've got him on the yeah, show yet. I haven't had um, him on, no. I've, obviously, with your background, I think you'd really like him uh, and his stuff. But he's got what he's just coined the KOT split squat, which is just his Knees Over Toes split squat, which is just a split okay. squat, which just forces you into a essentially a really long uh, forward lunge. So you're basically trying to get your knees far over your toe as possible. Right. And I like it because... Uh, if you've had any lower back issues in the past, it's a great way to load your legs heavy without loading your back. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really easy to regress. So you can just raise your feet up, raise your um, your heel up at the front. You can Elevate stack plates front. up. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and it's just good because it, you're training really extreme mobility and trying to make your knee more bulletproof, your ankle more bulletproof, so that when you go and you start squatting again, you have more uh, single leg strength and single leg balance. So I've really enjoyed that exercise. It's all over his Instagram. So you can just pick that one in and chuck it in. I might chuck a link, link to that. And then maybe even, uh, I think I may have seen you doing that in one of your posts recently as well. So I might put a link to that post yeah. below. So you guys, cause sometimes it's a bit hard to, to, uh, if you've never seen it before to imagine in your head, what it would look like. Yeah. I mean, this is probably something obviously that, that I could potentially chat about with him if I get him on the show, but 
a lot of the time, like the coaching cues is to try not to let your knees pass your toes when doing lunges and stuff for those that have issues with, with knee pain and stuff like that. So what, how, how have you found it? Like initially, was it quite awkward? Like for someone that does have bad knees or whatever, is this something that you would recommend right, like straight up or what's, what's the go there? Uh, so I guess it's like, again, it's a bit contextual. Some people will have knee pain, do it and then find during the process of this exercise, obviously it's regressed and it's scaled and it's appropriate. Then knee pain will go away. And I've had that experience with a lot of my clients. However, there are some people whose knee pain is very traumatic or it's very painful. Uh, at those people, I don't get to do the exercise. Yeah. Yeah, I don't get them to do it straight away if they're presenting with a lot of pain. I'll get them to do some other exercises that Ben recommends, some reverse sled walks and that sort of stuff to get them out of pain. My general rule is you don't work through pain. Um, unless I'm pretty happy with the client and we have a good relationship and I know what 1 out of 10 means for them versus 10 out of 10 and we're on the same page, um, I won't make a client work through a lot of pain there. But for most people, uh, I think it's, it's just a great mobility exercise as well. It's great mobility exercise. Can't go past it. A couple of um, questions off the back of what we spoke about with the more functional movements. When, how important is the actual load of these movements in terms of are you still aiming to be progressively overloading just as you would on something such as like your stock standard bench press or barbell squat or deadlift or whatever? Or is it purely more so about movement and controlling controlling the movement, um, going through the full range and making sure your mobility is up to speed. How uh, are you, is that a longer process compared to your, your normal, normal list or what does that look like for you? Yeah, so for me, it's a... Um, look, I, I was progressing it at one point. So at one point, I progressed at a very long way and I got up to a body weight um, KOT split squat, uh, which is essentially his gold standard. His gold standard is body weight for five reps on each side, which is good. I think you should always progress things. Uh, the trap I fell into, which I guess any, you know, any person that's done regular strength training is that there's a temptation to see how far I can push things. Yeah. And in an exercise that was originally deemed for rehab uh, and I guess mobility, it's not always the smartest thing to challenge how heavy you can push certain things. Yeah. I guess that's why he said body weight for five reps is kind of the gold standard. He didn't say there was a platinum standard, but I tried to find whatever the platinum standard was and I went a little bit too heavy and I, I did tweak my knee. So I guess there is a certain point that uh, is good enough for certain exercises. Um, and so that's all I'd say is like, yeah, progress it to a point which from his data and from his clients, he's like, get here and we're at a good level. Mm. And move to a different progression or a different exercise. Another pretty broad question, but in regards to your programming, are you having specific days where it is mainly functional movements and, and mobility based movements um, on that all on that one specific day? Or are you keeping that spread across your training splits? So are you doing, you know, for example, if you were following like a push pull um, leg split, would you be adding one or two of these movements into each training session or would you go in for one specific session and just do them all in the one go and then on the other days, you're just going back to your typical movements that you would see in, in most common programs? <laughs> no, so, so most of my training is a, is a mix of all those things. So yeah. I'll, I'll do them on a frequent basis just because I think for a lot of these things, they need more frequent touches because yeah. you're not loading that heavy for a lot of these functional exercises. Yeah. Um, versus say like a really heavy deadlift you know as you start to do deadlifts for a long time as you know eventually your top sets are like super draining you can't do that stuff every no. single day but you can Same do stuff nervous system wise, yeah 
Yeah, exactly. You can do some kind of, you know, functional hinging movement, like a single leg deadlift or a Cossack squat or something like that. Most days, some variation of that, because you're not going to load them. You're not going to do a Cossack squat at 100 kilos, right? But yeah. the great movement to keep in there for a warm up or to, as a maybe to build in some volume into like a workout or whatever. But I think, you know, if you've always stuck to traditional training splits, like you said, push pull, which is yeah. even really more a more recent thing, you know, before that, it yeah. was like arms, shoulders, legs, you know calves whatever every single muscle group on different days you know you can left, once left, you left calf on a monday <laughs> right calf on a tuesday that's it if you even hit calves um yeah. but you need you need to make sure that once you well once you bre- start breaking some of the traditional training paradigms and structures then i think your ideas of what a workout can be can open up to a lot more so for example like i might do a workout which is 40 minutes it might be on the minute for 10 rounds and i'll throw in all these different exercises which might be you know standing barbell bicep curls mixed in with some you know rowing machine mixed in with some cossack squats and 90 90 hip switches you know and you get oh. a 40 40 minute workout in you get a bit of a pump get yep. some conditioning in uh you get some functional movement through your hips and some strength work there so when you kind of break that paradigm a little bit um obviously it's different for everyone but yeah you can kind of find a place for this stuff everywhere the other um I guess misconception that I find commonly gets brought up when I'm speaking with people about more functional movements is the fact that maybe people are unaware of the, let's say hypertrophy benefits of still doing these exercises. Like you might say to someone, all right, we're going to do some of these movements that are a bit more functional. And all of a sudden the mindset is like, Oh fuck, I won't build muscle now. Cause I'm not doing like, yeah, I'm not doing an overhead press. Or I'm not doing lateral raises. I'm doing this weird movement now. But have you seen many benefits? Have you seen much benefit with and even crossover um, into other movements like the strength you've gained from these functional movements, which has then helped with, say, your barbell squat or your bench press or overhead pressing? And in terms of muscle growth, have you seen much benefit there? Yeah, I've seen more benefit. So I think okay. it's funny. There's this really good meme of um, Lu Zhao Jun, who's like one of the most aesthetic Olympic weightlifters in the world. And he's won multiple gold medals. He's doing a snatch. And I think the meme is like, what? and there's this guy, this bro at the gym with a towel around his neck going, what muscle is that for? And this guy's <laughs> obviously activated his every muscle in his back. And I think that it's just, it's just an old, old way of thinking. It's just, I guess, two worlds of thinking clashing together. Mm. There's this performance world where they don't really care about what muscle are they training necessarily. And then there's this bodybuilding world, which is like, okay, which muscles are we training? That's all I care about. Yeah. And neither are right or wrong. But I think... Um, if you take from the performance world into what most people are in, which is the aesthetic world, what you'll realize is you will still gain muscle. You'll still gain weight. Like these muscles do what muscles do. They don't care if they're doing a functional exercise or they're doing a bodybuilding exercise. If they're working hard and they're stabilizing and they're tensing and they're yeah. being overloaded, it doesn't matter what the exercise is. Um, they're going to grow. And I would say that, yeah, the, the non sort of functional movements, the more traditional movements, they just use less muscles they just i guess in some ways they're well they don't use less muscles they're just not the planes of motion are a lot simpler and so when you make the the movements a little bit more complex you'll find all these different muscles get sore and turn on in ways that you just didn't know could previously so you get benefits there that's awesome and man um like like i said to you before we had a chat i wanted to keep this one relatively short and, and hopefully get you on a bit more often we'll we'll touch on more specific kind of topics each time we have a bit of a chat but 
obviously people will come and check out your content. I'll have all the links in the show notes below, but is there anyone in particular apart from the knees over toes guy um, <laughs> that you can recommend that people can go and suss out for a bit of a, an idea of some of these movements that maybe that you, you, you get some content from and ideas from as well? Yeah, absolutely. So there's two guys actually you're in your local hood in Melbourne, um, Eugene Teo. He's got yep. some pretty good stuff in there. And then um, this guy, I can't remember what his name is, but his, web, his YouTube channel is Fitness FAQs. He's a gymnastics guy. Okay. Self-taught gymnastics guy. He's got, I think, over a million subscribers on YouTube. So in the calisthenics world, he's one of the most uh, well-regarded, most well-known, uh, I guess, trainers and, and PTs out there. But what's fascinating about his story is that he started gymnastics or calisthenics training at 18 after being, after doing bro splits at the gym Yeah, yeah uh, okay. and some of the stuff he can do now, you know, multiple reps, one arm chin ups, planches, you know, long handstands, crazy, crazy level stuff. But I think um, it's a pretty cool story because he wasn't just some super high level gymnast as a kid and then just yeah. decided to start showing off on Instagram when the app got developed. Yeah. He actually built this stuff from, you know, essentially just being a normal bro at the gym. So, um, those, those two guys have some really good, um, tra- uh, insights on training. Awesome. Well, brother, appreciate your time today. It's good to see you. Um, hopefully see you in Same. person soon, but, um, I'll have all the links to all your content below. Of course, as always guys, make sure you go and check out the podcast, check out some of Lockie's content on socials and, um, hope to have you back on soon, man. Appreciate your time. Thanks for having me, bro. Appreciate it. Always good chat.